Hi, my name's Christina and I attend the 5pm service with my daughters, Sophia and Nadia. But today I'm going to read the Bible with you. So grab your Bibles and open up to 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13. And we're going to read through to chapter 2 verse 3. So take a moment to get your Bibles and we'll read together. Okay, let's read. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of any kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Welcome along. My name is Bruce Clark. It's great to be here with you. And the title for my talk today is one word, different. To be different. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. I'm different. It's an interesting, it's sometimes challenging, sometimes liberating experience to realise that, in fact, well, you're different. Let me tell you a story of when I felt I actually was very different. It was back in June of 2015. And I went on the UNSW School of Business Management General Managers course to assist me uh, as the senior minister here, growing as a leader. And I well remember the first day. We'd turned up the night before, we'd stayed overnight, we'd had breakfast, and the course commenced in the morning, 9 o'clock. The course presenters, they all introduced themselves. And then one by one, we as the participants had to stand up and just speak a bit about ourselves, who we were, what we did. And so I listened and I let others go first. There were managers, there were business leaders, they're from all sorts of uh, great companies in the city. And I basically just let them all go, partly to avoid having to stand up amongst this group of business people. There was a sense of feeling kind of different. But finally, it was the end and it was my turn. And I stood up and said, look, 
Hi everyone, my name is Bruce Clark. I'm the Anglican Church Minister in Manly, St Matthews. Uh, it's the church on the course at Manly. You've probably walked past it at some point when you've caught the ferry over. And I can clearly remember numbers of them who just looked at me. Not rudely, but more quizzically, it was like, what are you doing here? And there was also that sense of, oh, we've got a religious guy with us. Let's just be a bit more careful. And compared to everyone else that was on the course that week, I was different. And it was a challenging experience that morning as I contemplated spending the next five days with them, thoughts of, will they accept me? Will they like me? And this is the challenge of being different. When you're different, you stand out. When you're different, you get noticed. And today we're in the second week of our 1 Peter series, Hope Away From Home. And the key verse for us is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Let me read it to us. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And when the Apostle Peter wrote this letter to the scattered Christians, one of the key themes through the whole letter is this, holiness. And it's the call to be different. Holiness is a key biblical word. And it's a very important word that describes in the first instance the character of who God is. We understand holiness from God. God is holy. And what I mean by that is God is separate to us. God is distinct from us. And because he is God, we are not. He is holy. He is completely unlike us in so many different ways. He is different. And holiness for us as Christians is about reflecting that holiness of God in all of our lives. We are set apart. We are distinct in a way that reflects who God is. That's what it means to be God's holy people. Because we are holy, we're different. And so this is what I want to talk about today, holiness, which I believe is a very important theme, not just in this letter, but for the Christian life. And there's three points I want to go through. Firstly, the reality of holiness. Second, the call to be holy. And third, the practice of holiness. Let's have a look at the first point, the reality of holiness. And I want to start back at the very beginning of the letter from chapter 1, verse 2. Before we get to look at the actual reading today, there's a key verse, verse 2, and a key phrase in that verse in which Peter addresses us as Christians in a very particular way. Let me read to you from chapter 1, verse 2. Who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. And the key phrase I want to look up, uh, get us to look up is this through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. The word sanctifying means to be dedicated or set apart. It's the same word group that we get holiness from. And what he's saying is that we have been set apart by the Spirit. We have been made holy by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a new status or a new identity. I mean, ask yourself the question, who am I as a Christian? Well, you're someone that the Holy Spirit has made holy, is what Peter would say. Someone who has been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Someone who is different, set apart. 
And this is the reality of holiness for the Christian. Holiness is not something in the first order that you gradually obtain. Rather, it's actually who you are. It's the work of the Spirit to set you apart. Think with me. When you read the letters in the New Testament, how do the apostles address the church? Are we referred to at the beginning of the letters as sinners or as saints? And the answer is we are always called saints. And it's interesting because the word saint is where we get the word holy from. Same word group. And it literally means we are the holy ones. We're never addressed at the beginning of, the beginning of any of the letters as sinners. Now that's not to say that the New Testament doesn't reflect on the fact that we have sinful natures, that we don't sin. It's got much to say about that. But rather, our identity is always that we are the holy people of God, the saints. We are the ones who have been set apart by the Holy Spirit for God, according to the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Christians are people who've been made holy. Now, let me give you an illustration from marriage. I, like everyone else, grew up single in this world. But there was a moment when my status changed and I became a married man. It was actually on the 20th of May, 1989, at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I remember walking to St Albans Anglican Church in Linfield as a single man. The service started and I stood up in front of the congregation, my family, my friends, and importantly, I was standing before God. And I made promises to my beautiful wife, Kathy. And she did the same for me. And we were married. And when I left that building, I wasn't half married. I wasn't quarter married. I was actually fully 100% married. And there's a picture of us on our wedding day going into the reception at Sydney University. And I may have more grey or white hair now. I absolutely do. <laughs> but I'm just as married now as I was back then. And it's the same thing when we become Christians. The day I was born again by the Holy Spirit, the day I called out to Jesus to trust in him and repent of my sin, and the Holy Spirit came into my life and set me apart, from that day forward, I've been holy. And so are you if you've been born again by the Spirit. And my spiritual identity, our spiritual identity before God, does not change. It's very simple. In God's sight, we are his holy people and we are declared holy. Well, that's the first thing. That's the reality of holiness. We are God's holy people. The second thing, though, is the call to holiness. And I want to pick up from where we had our Bible reading this morning or this afternoon. Peter says to us these words. Let me read them to us. Verse 13, chapter 1, 1 Peter. Therefore, with minds that are fully alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it's written, be holy, because I am holy. If I could summarize those verses, I'd put it this way. With all of your mind, with all of your hearts... 
with all of your decision-making, with everything you have. Turn your back on the old way of life, look forward and live for the day when Christ returns and pursue holiness. Seek to live a different life that is set apart from God. Because what Peter says is this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. And what he does here is quote from Leviticus, which was the Old Testament book all about holiness, chapter 11, verse 44. And what we see here from Peter is that effectively the Old Testament and the New Testament agree on the importance of this key theme, the people of God are called to be holy because we serve a holy God. You see, holiness, it's not an option for the Christian. It is who we are. We are to be God's holy people. We are his holy people. Hebrews 12, 14 puts it this way. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now let's stop for a moment and think about how this applies to us today. Because I think one of the problems in the church today is that there's a loss of concern or appetite for holiness. I mean, think with me, how often do you hear people talking about the desire to be more holy in their life and more godly? How often do you hear people praying for us to be holy? And I think for many of us, we often think of holiness as some kind of optional extra. You know, you've got the super spiritual Christians who, well, they might pursue holiness, but then you've got the kind of regular Christians and, well, that's probably a bit too hard for us. And I want you to think about that in terms of the way the world today is so full of options. And I want to use an illustration from, if I can say, going to a restaurant. And you think about when you go to a restaurant and you get the menu and there's just so many options in front of you. You know, entrees, mains, desserts, there's salads, uh, there's kids' meals, there's adult meals, there's mini meals, there's big meals. And the waiter comes, and you've got to make your choice. And as Christians, I think we're very happy to hear that we're forgiven. I mean, we love hearing that. We're very happy to hear that um, Christ has risen from the dead, there's eternal life for those who trust him, and that we won't face God's judgment in hell. I mean, that is great news. And we're delighted to hear and know that God loves us and that he pours his love into our hearts by his Holy Spirit. These things are vital. But when it comes to the more challenging issues, to the issues of being transformed, to the issues of holiness and being set apart for God's service, I think we can slip into a way of thinking where we think the Christian life is a bit like a menu that we can graze and there's options we can take up and options that perhaps we'll just read over and leave. And it's a bit like, I think, if I can play a scene out, that an angelic waiter would come and read the menu of the Christian life to us. And I can just see him doing that or her doing that. Are you enjoying your meal today, madam, sir? Can I serve you? Uh, would you like a portion of persecution with your meal today? Uh, no, thanks. Well, how about eternal life? Would you like to have some eternal life? Yes, I'd love to have eternal life. Yes, in fact, I'll have a double serving of that. That'd be great. Uh, well, how about holiness and purity? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, it's a bit inconvenient at the moment. Uh, actually, I've just met someone. So, no, look, I'll just take pass on that one. Um, how about regular gathering? Or fellowship and church? Well, I'm a bit busy at the moment. I'll just take a half serve of regular gathering. Tithing? 
Uh, it's been a tough year. No, I'll, I'll just, I'll do pass on that one this year. Um, what about gifts of the Spirit? Would you like that on the side? Oh, look, I thought you'd never ask. I'll have, uh, yes, I'll have a serving of that as well. And I think, unconsciously, that's how we often operate. That in this world of options, we pick and choose how we'll live the Christian life and which parts of the Bible we will hold on to. But think about what Peter says here in verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holiness is not an option in the Christian life. Peter says by the work of the Holy Spirit, we are holy, we are set apart. It is our status, it's our identity. And we are called to live that out, reflecting the holiness of God in our lives, in everything we do. That is who we are to be. Now, what follows for Peter in this letter are two reasons to be holy. The first is this, God will actually judge us. It's a fairly sobering reality. Let me read to you from verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. God is our father, but Peter says he's also our judge. And we're not to be afraid that we will lose our salvation. That's not what Peter is saying, because he is our heavenly father. And we can have confidence to approach him because of what Jesus has done, but he's also the holy judge of heaven and earth, and importantly, he says here, who will judge each person's work impartially. And what he's saying is there needs to be an awe, a fear, a reverence about our lives, the way we live in this world, because we will be held to account for how we've used our life and all that we have. And the person who is genuinely converted, who has been born again, well, they have been set apart for God and his service. And they will seek to lead a holy life. And your holy life lived in the power of Christ will be evidence on the day of judgment that you trust in Christ and that you've repented of your sins. The second reason is this. God has redeemed us. Look at verse 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So why live a holy life? First, God is the one that we'll give account to. He is the judge of all. But secondly, because God is the one who loves us and has redeemed us. And to put it another way, he has saved us from our unholy life. There is a life that you once lived that reflects the world. And Peter simply says, move on from it. Put it behind you. Because Christ has died to pay the price for it. And his precious blood was shed for you. And this is how precious the blood of Jesus is. By the blood of Jesus, our conscience is cleansed. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. 
By the blood of Jesus, we gain access to God in worship and prayer. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. By the blood of Jesus, we are cleansed of our sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. By the blood of Jesus, we conquer the devil. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. By the blood of Jesus, we are rescued from a sinful life, is what he's saying here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And when he says precious, I love the way he makes a comparison between the blood of Christ and silver and gold. In other words, the things that this world would think are most precious in comparison to Christ's blood. Well, there is no comparison because what is most precious is Christ's blood, not the riches of this world. And this is so important pastorally to take hold of because some of us do struggle in all kinds of very deep ways to change and to live in a way that honours God. We'll all have the issues in our life where there are stubborn sins, perhaps even addictions. And the great news is this, Jesus has redeemed you from them, from that life, from that addiction, from that sin. And his precious blood has paid the price for it, so that in God's eyes it is washed clean. And what I want to say to us is this, don't define yourself by your failures, by your sin, by your addictions. Because God doesn't. In God's eyes, you are his holy people. You are someone who has been set apart for him. And that is so freeing to know because it means you can leave that addiction, that sin behind you, you can let go of it, and you can pursue holiness. We will one day be held accountable. But friends, we have been washed clean. And so stand on that truth. Let go of the sins and the addictions. And pursue the holiness of God because, friends, we are holy. And we just need to live that out in our lives. Well, thirdly, the practice of holiness. There's a number of things from this passage you could look at to reflect on the reality of how we practice holiness day by day and live out our calling to be God's holy people. You could look at verse 22. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And love is so essential for the pursuit of holiness. That is such a reflection of the character of God. We could look on at the beginning of chapter 2 where he talks about ridding ourselves of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind and like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good and that's a reflection on having this passion for the word of God to learn it and to put it into practice in our life and to be, if I can say, having it as a living source of inspiration and instruction for us. But what I want to do, though, is actually go back and focus on verse 14. And what he says there is this. And you can see it on the screen. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And the challenge to be holy is this. It's not to be better and better, but it's to be actually who you are. And there's a subtle but very important distinction there. You see, you can't be any more holy than you already are. So how then do you practice holiness? Well, we be who we are. Someone who has been redeemed, someone who has been set apart, someone who has been loved and cleansed and cherished. Someone who is holy. 
in God's eyes. And so as obedient children of God, what we need to do is to stop conforming to the world and stop conforming to the internal sinful urges that we'll have and be the people that we've been set apart to be by the Spirit of God. And why is this so important? Because God wants us to be people who reflect his holiness, his glory in the world. And my prayer every week for us as a church is this, that we will be people who are known, who are observed, who are seen to be people who are marked by holiness. And if I can put it in practical terms, by Jesus, love, grace and truth, that they define us, that when people engage with us, they meet someone who is gracious, they feel, they experience people who love and they sense a purity and a difference about us that may be telling, it may be challenging, but it's distinct because we reflect the holiness of God in our lives. Friends, that is my prayer for us. It's the Apostle Peter's prayer that we would be holy just as God is holy. And when you read through the letter, it's always about so that the people of God are seen to belong to God. And through that, it opens up avenues for the gospel to prosper. Let me take you back to the course I was on at UNSW in the School of Management. On the last day, they had a closing ceremony. And the presenters got up and spoke. And they invited myself out of the group of, if I can say, students who were there to speak and give a word of thanks to the lecturers. And I remember feeling quite stunned by it as they asked me to get up and speak. And it was such an honour to be the one that was chosen. And what staggered me, though, was after I finished thanking the different lecturers and speaking on behalf of all of my cohort, the head of the course invited me to pray for them because he knew I was the minister. And everyone just looked at me and smiled. And I just invited people as they felt comfortable to bow their heads. And I had this incredible moment where in the middle of UNSW at the School of Management, amongst all these business leaders, I got to pray for them. And I don't say it to boast in any way, but rather just as an illustration of one of the moments in my life where there was a sense of which God used me to communicate the gospel by how I lived amongst them in those five days. And it opened up an avenue of, an avenue of ministry. And it enabled me to, in a sense, pray the gospel over them. And I don't know what's come of those people, but there was this real sense of which I just felt I had commended the gospel well. And friends, that's what Peter wants us to be doing. To be commending the gospel and the character of God by being holy in all that we do because we serve a holy God. And so as obedient children, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but rather just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Well, let me pray for us.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that by the work of your wonderful Holy Spirit, we have been set apart for you. We've been made holy. And Father, just give us that sense every day that we are people who belong to you, that we've been washed clean by the precious blood of Jesus, and to have a passion for holiness because you are our holy God. And you are our loving Heavenly Father who one day we'll give account to with our lives. And so, Father, we want to live in a way that honours you and pleases you and reflects who you are, your holiness, your purity, your grace, your love, your compassion, your justice in all that we do. May we be your holy people here through St Matthew's Manly. In Jesus' name, amen.